Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs, right there towards the middle of the Bible, right after Psalms. Proverbs is a wonderful book of the Bible. Um, I always tell people if you're just starting on your reading uh, your Bible, John and Romans is probably the best two books in the Bible, but Proverbs. Uh, it's right up there with it. Proverbs is a great book of the Bible. It's just full of wisdom. I mean, there's so many great things that you can get from Proverbs, and it just, I mean, one great thing after another. It's just good to think about and meditate on. And there's so many great truths in there. And uh, there's one that we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. It says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, Happy is He. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You so much for another opportunity to preach Your Word. And Lord, I pray that You'll just open the hearts and the minds of people today, Lord, and I pray to help them to get this message, Lord, and I pray that it will be a blessing to them and an encouragement, and it will help all of us to just be better servants for You. In Your name we pray. Amen. He makes a statement. He says, where there is... No vision. Now, what's he talking about here? Is he talking about having visions? Is he talking about, you know, seeing the future or things like that? No, that's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about that kind of a vision. Uh, he's not just talking about eyesight. Uh, that's not what, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about something a little different here today. Uh, he's talking about really, he's talking about having eyes that kind of not, that see into the future. Now, not once again, I'm not talking about prophesying here or talking about seeing things, but you know what? The Bible talks a lot about having vision. That what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to look at, try to look ahead in our lives. You know, one of the problems that most people have today is they don't look ahead. They don't look to the future for anything in their life. That's why they make a lot of the mistakes they make. Uh, a lot of people, when they... Uh, you know, a lot of young people, especially, you know, they'll drop out of school or they'll get involved in drugs and things. And the problem is they're not looking to the future. And then, as parents, you know, you get on them and you try to tell them this is for your future. And the thing is, as a parent, you have a vision for them. You have something that you're wanting to see them accomplish. But the problem is, a lot of times, some people don't. They don't. They don't have any vision. They're not looking ahead to with anything in their life. And if you have that attitude, if you don't think about the future, it's going to lead to problems. It says here, where there is no vision, the people perish. But then it goes on to say, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. It's saying that when we follow the Word of God, a person who has vision, what they're going to do is they're going to take the Word of God and they are going to follow what it says so they can have the kind of outcome that God wants us to have. And if you do, if you follow the Word of God in your life, God's going to give you uh, that future. He'll help you. Those things that you see in the future, those things that you want to have, the Word of God can help you get those things. And there's three areas that I want us to look at tonight where we need to get a vision. In Joshua 24.15, if you want to look there in your Bibles, Joshua 24.15, very well known verse. But what's going on here, the children of Israel, they've just, they've been led out of Egypt. They've crossed the river Jordan and they're going into the promised land. And Joshua, he's taken over as leader. Moses has died and Joshua now is a leader. And he's talking to the people and he's got this multitude of the children of Israel there. And there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of controversy on whether or not or which God they should follow. 
Now, a lot of them, they wanted to go after those gods in Egypt. Some of them wanted to go back to Egypt. Not all of them wanted them to serve God. And Joshua, he told them, he says, I want you to make a choice. He said, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your father served were on the other side of the flood, or the god of the Amor- gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. This is the main part. This is a pretty well known verse. It says, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua told him, he said, Y'all need to make a choice. You have to pick which one you're going to follow. If you want to go back and serve the other gods that were on the other side of Jordan, go ahead and do it. He says, but you need to choose today. And he said, me and my house, the ones that I can speak for, he said, we are going to serve the Lord. He said, we will serve the Lord. Joshua had a vision for his family. Joshua had a plan for his family. He had something special that he wanted for his family. And one of those is he wanted a family that was going to serve the Lord. And he said, that's what we're going to do. It doesn't matter what everybody else does. We're going to serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what everybody else in this community does. You ought to decide today that for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what we're going to do. We can, you know, we can't speak for everybody else. Well, we can do what we can to try to spread the gospel to them and try to be a witness and a testimony to them. But when it comes down to it, it's them that's got to make the choice. And we can't always choose what everybody else does, but we can choose what we're going to do. We need to make that decision that we're going to serve the Lord. In my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I hope some now I hope someday or I hope forever my children continue to serve the Lord. There's going to come a day in their life where they're going to have to make that choice themselves. Or right now I'm making the choices for them. But there's going to come a day where I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. Where they're going to have to make the choice. But right now, I can choose for me. I can choose for my family that we're going to serve the Lord. And if your family is going to do that, if you have that vision for your family, a family that serves the Lord, a house that serves the Lord, then you need a family where God is involved. Psalms 127, verse 1-5 through is a great passage of Scripture. It says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows, for so He giveth His beloved sleep. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them, they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. I feel like I'm a man that has a quiver full of children. I've got five. I've got five kids, and I say all the time, my quiver is full. And uh, if I get any, if it gets any more full, I'll be quivering. But I, I, but it, it's true. I say I'm happy. I, I love my kids. But you know what? I, and I have I have a vision for my kids. I have things that I want to see them do. I, there's things that I don't want to see them do. And so if I want to have that, I need to have a family where God is involved. It said except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. You know, there's only so much that you and I can do. There's only so much that's humanly possible. But there is no limit with God. And the Bible says they labor in vain. If I try to build a house without God's help, I'm just going to be working and it's going to be empty. It's going to be for nothing. Tommy McMurtry can only accomplish so much. I need a house where God is involved. I want God to build my house. I want God to build my children. I want God to do the work that I can't do. 
God has the ability. And, and it's, it's vain, it says, to just sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows. God gives His beloved sleep. God wants you. God wants you to be able to have peace about about this raising children. It is. It can be a scary thing. It can. There's a lot of temptations for children out there today. They they have to face some things that are horrible. There's some challenges that are out there. There's a lot of the peer pressure, and there's so much that's going on. And a lot of times, people think, "How can I raise good, godly kids? How can I do that?" You can with God's help. It can be done. And you you can only do so much yourself, but God can help you do that. I, I'm glad I grew up in a house where God was involved. My family, they always made it a point to keep us in church and to keep us around the things of God and keep us around the people of God. I remember my dad doing family devotions with us and I remember him teaching us these things. And not only did he just keep us around the house of God, but he also had God involved by doing the things that God said to do. One of the things, the verses in the Bible my dad was very obedient to was verses on disciplining your children. I always wish he would backslide on that a little bit, but he never did. He stuck to it, and he always he disciplined us. He did that. He did it in a biblical way. He did it. He did it with love. He didn't provoke us to wrath. You know, there maybe was a couple times, but you know what? He did. He did his best to to raise us, and in a way that was godly. And I'm telling you, what went on in our home, it was completely contrary to what the world says to do. But I don't know if you've noticed what the world says isn't working out too well. It's not going too well. But the things of God, boy, you can trust in them. And you can know that it's right. And I'm thankful that I grew up in a family like that. But we get God, the way we get God involved is when we follow His Word. James 4.8 says, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. That's the problem, I believe, today for the most part. There's many people, they want to have good families. They want to have godly families, but they also want to be like the rest of the world. They want to do all the things that the rest of the world is doing. That's You know what? That's being double-minded. You've got two things that you want and you can't really have both of them. You've got to, you've got to pick. You've got to make your choice. And if we draw an eye to God, the Bible says He'll draw an eye to you. Boy, you make an attempt. Listen, you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to know everything right off the bat. It takes time. You've got to study the Word of God. I mean, you've got to, I mean, we're all still learning things. None of us are ever going to come to the point where we know everything there is to know about the Bible. That's why we continue to go to church. That's why we have things like Sunday school. So we can constantly be learning, constantly be growing in Christ. And there's things that we need to know. And when we, when you just make that effort to draw an eye to God, the Bible says He'll draw an eye to you. Well, you know, there's something about... there's. It's so much easier to get to know somebody and, and develop a relationship and a friendship when you know they want one with you. You know, God, He, he wants... He wants to be our friend. He wants to be there for us. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't want Him to be a part of their life. Maybe there's, there's, it's like that with people sometimes. Maybe there's somebody, you see them, and you think, oh, I'd like to be friends with that person. And you kind of make some efforts, but you know, a lot of people, they're a little standoffish, and they don't want to be pushy with people. They don't want to, uh, they don't want to come on too strong. But boy, when that person does anything to show that they have an interest in you, and to show that they want to be your friend too, then it's just like, just like magnets. Boy, you just come together quick. When you have that mutual agreement that you want to be friends, that you want to be close, and God's that way too. God's not pushy. He's not. He's not that way with us. He wants you to to love Him. He wants you to draw an eye to Him. And as soon as you boy, you make that effort to be close to Him, you're going to find out that you're going to get there really quick. 
It's it's uh, it's very quick because God wants that. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be a part of your family. He wants to be a part of your home. Also, we need so we need to have a vision for our family. We need to have a plan for them. We need to have something that we want to see. We find out how to do that through the Word of God, but not just in our family, but in our community. You know, we didn't come here to we didn't come to Rock Falls to start this church just for our family. And you know what? The truth is, it's not just for the people in here. We want to make a difference in this community. We want to be a blessing to this community. Go to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. Proverbs 14, verse 34. You know what goes on in a community? It affects all of us. A lot of times we try to, you know, distance ourselves and stay uninvolved, but and you can to a certain extent, but what goes on affects everybody. It says, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. You know, when wickedness goes on here, it it affects all of us. It makes it makes it can kind of make a one thing can make a whole town look bad sometimes, even if it's just a few people. You know, you hear all the time about some uh, one person will do something and then it changes things for everybody. You think about uh, what it's like going to an airport now since 9-11. How many, just a few people did that. Did what caused all these new rules now. And I haven't flown since 9-11. And from what I'm hearing, I don't know how much I really want to. But you know what? A few people mess it all up. I heard that somebody brought a, a... taser to a football game here recently and so now they're going to start checking everybody instead of from the waist up all the way all the way down to the ankles because one guy one guy did it changed the rules for everybody what happens affects all of us when we um when we were looking for a buildings we, we uh, found this building and we were interested in it we were trying to pursue it it wasn't long after that that there was the shooting that took place you might remember that uh, just a block from here and I remember somebody asking, well, you sure you want to start the church there? I'm like, yes. That's exactly why we need a church here. You know what? If that person would have been saved, they probably wouldn't have done that. If that person would have had God in their life, they wouldn't have done that. Sin, the Bible says that when somebody gets saved, that it covers a multitude of sins. And what it means is it keeps a whole bunch of sin from happening. You know, it, it, that could be the same with any of you. If, you, if it weren't for uh, you being saved, if it wasn't for Christ being in your life, you could be the one shooting somebody. You could be the one creating the new rules for everybody else that makes everybody else miserable. That could be you. And there's, there's, no, there's no telling. But thank God, uh, if when somebody gets saved, that it can, we have no idea how much good can be changed and how much good can come out of that. The Bible says, "Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom He has chosen for His own inheritance." You know what would make this town a better place is righteousness. People doing right. God's going to bless that kind of thing. You know, it's sad all the wickedness that comes into towns all the time. Listen, we need to try to make we. It's up to Christians to make this town a better place. It's up to Christians. It's up to God's people to make a difference in this country and in the world. It's our responsibility. Go to Matthew chapter five and verse thirteen. I want to show you some verses there. It is our responsibility. You know, we're we're going to be. uh, We have an election year coming up. 
And boy, there's going to be all kinds of talk about who's going to be the one to turn the country around. Who's going to be the one to make a difference? And boy, they'll argue back and forth and people will get mad and they'll be all, I mean, the news, that's all that's going to be on there. And we're, I mean, we're going to be hearing about it till we're sick of it and we can't stand it anymore. You know how, you know how it is every four years and it seems like they start campaigning as soon as the election's over and we just, we can't get enough. I mean, it just, it never stops. And you hear all this arguing, but the truth, I mean, it does matter who we elect. It does matter who the president is. Those things do matter. But who's really going to make the difference? It's God's people. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, it says, Jesus is talking and He said, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and trodden underfoot of men. And then he said, Ye, he's talking to saved people here, he's talking to Christians. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Jesus is talking to the Christians, he says, Ye are the salt. Ye are the light of the world. He didn't say the politicians. He didn't say the kings and the presidents. He didn't say that. He's talking to these just group of common folk that were there. The people that were there, He said, ye are the salt of the earth. You're the ones that are going to make the difference. You know, salt does several things. One of the things that salt does is it preserves. You know, you put salt around things, it makes it last longer, doesn't it? You know, I believe that it's God's people today that's stalling off the judgment that we've been asking for in this country for a long time. There's a lot of wickedness that's going on in this country. And let me tell you, God sees that. And God is not just letting it go. Thank God that He is long-suffering and He's compassionate. But I'm telling you, there's going to come a day where God is going to judge this country for some of the sin that's gone on in it. We think about all the babies that we kill on a regular basis in this country. And you think God's just looking at that and is just, ah, I'm going to let that go? I don't think so. I believe it's God's people that's stalling off the judgment there. You may remember the story about Lot in the Bible, or Abraham. God told Abraham, said, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their wickedness. And Abraham said, Lord, are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? And he said, if there be, if there's 50, and God said, if there's 50 righteous people, I won't destroy the city. And Abraham talked God down to 45, and then to 40, and then finally Abraham talked God down to just 10 people. And God said, if there's 10 righteous people, I will not destroy the city. But there weren't 10 righteous people. There weren't. And God, He got Lot and his family out, but the rest of the city was destroyed. There weren't 10 righteous people. I believe one of the reasons we haven't been destroyed is there are still some people in this country who love God. And there are still some people who are serving God. And I believe that God is holding it off until the, uh, the tribulation, I'm hoping. But let me tell you, if we decide to, to get away from God and to go against God, it's going to come back on us. It's going to hurt us. We don't want to do that. Salt preserves. Salt makes things taste better. You know, we're the ones that are supposed to make this world a better place. Not the politicians. You know what? You ought to be. You ought, everywhere Christians go, we ought to make it a better place. Your job, uh, where you work, it ought to be a more enjoyable place to work with because you're there. Uh, hopefully, you're not. Hopefully, if you're a saved person, you're a Christian. When you show up for work, people are like, "Oh man, I wish they were sick today." All right, that's that's not good. 
Hopefully, you're the kind of person that work is more enjoyable when you're there. We should be the ones causing strife and starting fights and getting involved in all the office gossip and all that stuff. We should be the ones making it a better place. A lot of times people say, I just work in a terrible place because of this person, this person. If they would just leave or if they would just straighten up their act, my place would be a better place. Well, you can't depend on them. God said, ye are the salt of the earth. You're the ones that are going to, that are supposed to make it a better place. It is us here today. We are the ones that need to try to help make Rock Falls and Sterling a better place. It's, it's, it's up to us. It's up to God's people. And I'm here to tell you today that if, if we would, if we could get on fire for God and we can start winning people to Christ and if we start living godly lives, it could change this town. It could change this entire community. I mean, you don't, you don't think God cares about, a lot of people think God doesn't care about the job situation and, uh, you know, in the industry in this area. I'm telling you, if God's people are involved in those things, He's going to want to bless it. I believe that a business is going to be better off having God's people working there because one of the ways that God is going to bless you is through that company. And I tell you, they need safe people working at these places. And the more safe people that are there, the more God's blessing is going to be on that place. It's up to us. And what we need around in this area is we just need more safe people. We need more people who are living their life for Christ. And if we would get that, it would make a difference. Things would get better in this town. We could rise. I know it's bad kind of all over the country right now. But you know what? We can rise above that. We can be, we can be above that. We can overcome that. We see that overcoming is just a part of being a Christian. It's all throughout God's Word. He wants us to overcome. But salt, it also makes people thirsty. There's a tournament that we go to pretty regular, and at their concession stand, everything is really expensive, especially the drinks. There's one thing that's not expensive there, and that's popcorn. You know why? Because they go crazy with the salt on that popcorn. And if you eat that popcorn, you're going to have to go buy a drink. It's just the way it is. You've probably been places like that before. That's why popcorn's cheap. Because they want that if you buy popcorn, you have to buy a drink. And you know what? We ought to be making people thirsty for God. People, boy, when they get around us, when they get around the salt of the earth, it ought to make them to want God in their lives too. A lot of people they don't want to go to church because of the people they know that go to that church. You've you've probably been there before. Oh, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. I see those same people that are out cussing in the bar on Saturday night or sitting in the church singing on Sunday. You've all heard that before. You've probably seen it before. That's not being the salt. That's not that's not letting our light shine. The Bible, Jesus said, He said, don't take your light and put it under a bushel. Don't hide it. Don't hide the fact that you're a Christian. I'm not telling you to go around and shove it in everybody's faces. I'm not telling you to go around, you know, preaching to everybody and being mean and driving people nuts. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about doing what you need to do to make this area a better place, to make your neighborhood a better place. You shouldn't be the the neighbors that everybody can't stand, the most grumpy ones. You ought to be the nicest ones. Same thing. God wants us to be the salt of the earth. This world, part of the problem, is that it has no vision. It has no vision. They're not looking ahead. Isaiah chapter 28, you don't, uh, you don't need to turn there. But it says, "...but they also have erred through wine and strong drink." are out of the way. The priests and the prophets have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness so that there is no place clean. It's kind of a disgusting picture that it's painting here. And it's talking about the priests of God. 
It said they erred. These people, they got so caught up in the things of the flesh, they got so caught up in the wine and things that the, the holy things of God, the, the things that God wanted to use, they were covered with vomit. They were filthy. It was a gross thing. This was supposed to be something that was holy. It was something that was special. But the Bible says they err in vision. They weren't looking ahead. They were only thinking about right now. Right then and there. And these people, they went and they just made a mockery out of the things of God. We see that a lot today. People have forgotten about God so much and they've gotten so much junk in their life and it's to the point where it's just it's dirty, it's disgusting, it makes people sick. And that should not happen. But the problem when we don't have any vision, we're not when we're not looking ahead, we could end up in that same situation. And we don't want to do that. This ought, this ought to be the kind of church that people want to come back to. It ought, I mean, and that's our, that, that's your responsibility. That's why, you know, it's good to just, you know, to get to know each other and to shake hands and be friendly and, and talk to people. And if somebody comes and they sit in your seat, you know, just let it go. Go find another seat. They're all pretty much alike. You know, they're all just as comfortable. You know, I mean, just, uh, that, that's the way we need to operate as a church. We've got to have vision. We've got to, we've got to think about our community. We don't want to ignore it. We want to try to help. We, ought to, uh, we need to want to make a difference. Too many Christian people today, they don't want to get involved in politics and they don't want to get involved in the things in their community because they're so disgusted by what's going on there. But we're the ones that need to make the difference. It's God's people that are going to make it better. It's not going to be the world. We can't depend on the lost to do that for us. So then, so we need to have a vision for our family. We need to have a vision for our community. But then also, we need to have a vision... For our church, Hebrews chapter ten, verse twenty-five. Hebrews ten twenty-five says, "Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching." We need to have a vision for our church. This one of the purposes of a church. It says here in this passage when it's talking about the assembling a church. It's not just a building. You know, the church right here, this is this group of people that we have. It's the people. It's not the building. There may come a day where maybe we move uh, to a different building. Maybe God blesses us and we have a lot of people coming here. We might need to go somewhere else, but we'll still be the same church because the church is not the building. The church is, the church is the people. And it says here, it talks about not forsaking that assembling. And it says, uh, as a man of some is, but it says so much the more as you see the day approaching. It talks about exhorting one another. You know, when you come to church, it's not always just for you. Sometimes it's for somebody else. Sometimes God may want you to come so you can be an encouragement to somebody else. Not every message that's going to be preached here at Liberty Baptist Church is going to be specifically for you. It may be for somebody else. And we ought to always want to be there for so we can have what God wants us to hear. But also, even if it's the message isn't specifically for us, so we can be an encouragement to somebody else so they'll want to keep coming back. And so God can make a difference in their life. It's not just the responsibility of the pastor to make people feel welcome and to help people's lives get better. It's all our responsibilities. We work together. We exhort one another. That's what it says in here. And it says, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. A lot of people ask, well, why do we have Sunday school and why do we have Sunday night and Wednesday night? Why do you, uh, you know, and sometimes we have revival meetings where you have service, you know, every night of the week. Why do we do that stuff? You know, it only says they went to church on Sunday in the Bible. You know, the Bible says to do it more because you know what? As time get, goes on and as this world gets more and more wicked, boy, we're going to need each other even more than ever before. 
You know, there was a time in this country not that long ago where, for the most part, America as a whole, I mean, God was involved in pretty much everything. There was a morality level that was lined right up with the Bible. I mean, there wasn't near the wickedness that's going on today. But it's not like that anymore. Boy, we're constantly being bombarded with the lies of the devil and with the things of the world. And I'm telling you, we just need times where we can just come together and just kind of regroup and just kind of encourage each other and motivate each other to keep on going for Christ. Because it's not easy in this world that we're living in. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that it's easy being a Christian all the time. I'm not going to tell you that. There are some challenges. And so that's why we, man, church is important. We need to have a vision so we can be a help to other people so we can get help. I'm telling you, church is a help for me. I need it. And I don't just need this building. Okay, I need God's people. I like being around God's people. I like being around the things of God. But the church, it does some things. And the church, it can be the biggest help for the family and for the community. It can be one of the biggest helps because the church, one of the things it does is it proclaims righteousness. It's righteousness that exalts a nation. It's sin that brings a reproach. I mean, when you do right, it makes things better. It will improve your life. It will bring happiness in the church. It encourages you to do that. And it motivates people. You know why? Because we all need it. The church, it helps to strengthen the weak. You know what? We just need it. Even if you're strong right now, there's going to come a day where you're weak. Boy, the attacks of the devil, they're going to get on you. They're going to wear you down. They're going to, and you might think, I'm strong. I don't need church right now. I don't need to be around the people of God. Well, there's going to come a day where you're going to. I'm here to tell you. There's going to come a day where you're going to need that encouragement. And that's why we want to be around because we can be that help to strengthen the weak. And then maybe later they can be the ones strengthening us and encouraging us. And we're all going to need it. We're all going to have our down days. We all are going to have our ups and downs. And we need, we need each other. But also the church, it backs up the family and community. You know, one of the things that this church that you're gonna that uh, you know your families are gonna hear, your kids are gonna hear, obey your parents. Ephesians six one, children obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. It's gonna you're, they're gonna hear that. They're gonna be encouraged to listen to their mom and dad. They're gonna be encouraged to do right in school and to do their best and to, and to practice the same things that you're trying to teach them at home. You're gonna get reinforcement. Here at church, it's, and it, that can be a huge thing. It's one thing if they just hear the parents harping about it all the time, but if they hear the preacher harping about it and their Sunday school teachers and everybody's saying it, they might think, you know what? Maybe there's something to this. Maybe we are actually supposed to do it, and what a difference it can make. But also, it is the house of God. This place, it is the house of God. This is God's house. Go to First Timothy chapter three. In verse 14, 1 Timothy 3.14, Paul's talking to Timothy and he said, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. He says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. This is the house of God. And He is a living God. And I believe the Bible says where two or three are gathered in His name, He's there in the midst that you can bring your family here and know that God is going to be at work here. That God is going to be here. I don't know about you, but I want to be where God is. That's where I want to be. I know God's with us all the time and God is all present, but I don't want to just be where He's at. I want to be where He's working. I want to be where He's doing something. 
That's where I want to be. In the house of God, this is one of the places that He works. This is one of the places where He shows Himself strong. I mean, we can see some great things in the house of God. But this is, this is He said it is the house of God. He wanted him to know how to behave Himself in the house of God because this is a special place. We don't want to do anything here that's going to dishonor God. That's why we try to we preach the word. We go to the scriptures. If I just if I'm coming up here and just giving you my opinions and I'm, and they're not based on the word of God, then God's not going to be pleased with that. If I'm up here and I'm using you know music and things that's just some of the wicked stuff that the world uses to try to attract crowds to try to get people in here, God's not honored in that. Listen, the Bible says, "Shall we do evil that good may come?" God forbid. We're not supposed to work that way. We want to honor God in everything we do. But this church, this is a great place where you can grow in the Lord. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5 through 9, Peter's talking, he talks about adding things. He said, beside all this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things, it says, is blind and cannot see afar off. That's talking about having the vision there. And hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. It says one of the things we do in the house of God is we grow. We add things to our faith. You know, as a church, someday I hope to add things in this church, not just spiritually, but even things like different Sunday school classes. I hope someday we can have classes for all different ages and a class for the teenagers, and that we can have. We're wanting to have ministries to the people in the nursing homes, and I'm hoping someday maybe we can even have a bus route and go and pick up some of the kids in the community that maybe their parents won't bring them to church, and we can they can come and they can learn the word of God, and we can add things, we can build, we can be. Growing. We should always be trying to progress as a church and to get better and to do more for Christ. There's all kinds of things that we can do, but not just that in our own personal lives. We need to add things spiritually and to be constantly growing and being better for Christ. That's what that's what God wants us to do. And it says here that the people who lack these things, they're blind. Not physically blind, but spiritually blind. They have no vision. They can't see far off. They're not looking to the future. They're only looking at right now. And you know what? There's going to come some days where your flesh and your your what you're going to want to do is going to be a whole lot easier just to stay home. You know, it's a whole lot easier when you get up in the morning or when you go to bed at night instead of reading your Bible, watching TV. It's easier. It's easier. There's things that sometimes doing the right thing is hard. It's not necessarily what we want to do. But a person with vision who can see afar off, they understand that these things are going to help me. That you know, maybe one of the things that would help me have a better attitude at work is if I get in the Word of God. Go read some of the book of Proverbs. Well, that can that can motivate you. Try to put those things into practice. That's that's what having vision is, where you try to apply the Word of God to your life, and that's what we want to do at this church. We want to have a church that lines up with what God teaches us to do in the Bible. Well, that's why here in a couple weeks in Sunday school, we're going to go through and we're going to talk about the things that we do in church. And we're going to talk about why we do it. We're going to go to the Scriptures and look and see what the Bible says. That's what we do when it comes with salvation. When it comes to being saved, when it comes to knowing you're going to heaven. You know, a lot of people today, they think you can't know. 
Man, I'm glad we can know. I would be scared to death if I didn't know if I was going to go to heaven or hell when I died. When I read about hell and I read about what it's like, I think, man, I thank God I know I'm not going there. But how do I know? I know because the Bible tells us how to get saved. The Bible tells us how we can know that we're on our way to heaven. It, the Bible says the first John, it's all about the book of first John is all about how you can know that you have eternal life. That's what it's all about. He says in the end of the book, these things have I written unto you that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And we know from the Word of God. And that's why we're all that's why we're always going to proclaim this. So we're always going to read it and talk about it. Because we want to do things right. Because you know what? My vision, it sees me in heaven someday. Now, I can't physically see it. I'm not talking about that kind of vision. But I do see in the Bible where it says, for the saved person to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm going to see Him someday. I also know I'm going to stand before Him someday. And the Bible says the books are going to be open. I believe he's talking about the books of the Bible, these 66 books that we have here. And we're going to be judged according to the words of this book. And I thank God that I, according to the very book that I am going to be judged out of, that I did what the Bible says to do to be saved. And I know for sure that I'm going to heaven. Not because I'm good enough, because you find out real quick, you look in the Bible, none of us are good enough to go to heaven by our own works. That salvation, it can't be earned. It's a free gift. And it tells us how to receive it. All you have to do is ask for it. You just, you, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We can know these things. You can know how to have a good family. The Bible says in Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You can, you can have that vision of your kids living a life serving God, and we see how to get to that point throughout the Bible. So the question today is, do you have a vision? I think everybody wants a good family. I think everybody wants a better community, a good church. But the way to have these things, it's found in the Word of God. And the way to start is to get a vision of Jesus Christ. And In the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, we're not going to take time to read it. But it's a very interesting passage. If you ever want to mark it down, go read it sometime. Isaiah 6. The Bible says that Isaiah, he saw, he, he, he saw a vision of God. An actual vision of God. He had, it says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And His train filled the temple. And when he saw God, all of a sudden something came over to him. Something happened to him. And you know what he said? He said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Mine eyes have seen the king. When he saw God, he got a really good look at himself, and he saw himself as a wicked sinner. But that's what he saw. And when we get a vision of God, we're going to see that we're a sinner. But you know, he saw a holy God. The Bible says there were the seraphims, they were crying, Holy, holy, holy. God is holy. And Isaiah, like everybody who is saved, there had been a time in his life where he trusted not in his own righteousness, but in the righteousness of God to get to heaven. When you get a look at Him, you won't even try to save yourself. You won't even try because you know you can't do it. But when you do get a look at Him, you will also know that He's my only hope for salvation. You put your faith and trust in Him. And then, that's when... God can really start doing a work in your life. So I hope you'll get a vision of God today. I hope you'll get a vision for your family, for your community, and for your church. So let's all stand together.